0: Chapter Nineteen of From Alien to Citizen: The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Nineteen: Mine Number Three. I knew that I must go up and not down, that I must conserve the place I had reached, at least in my own self-esteem, but where to go and what to do was less easy to decide. Winter was at hand, the farmers were all discharging their extra help, and much of the money I had earned had gone for suitable clothing. The east was far away, and even if I were able to reach it there was no certainty that work of any kind could be secured.' i knew from past bitter experience how little likelihood there was of obtaining the kind of employment which would give me a chance to use the mental tools with which i was equipped and which had fallen sadly into disuse in studying the map of the united states following with my eye the mississippi river and its tributaries i noticed a city which flashed upon my memory the names of some slovaks whom i had met on the steamer and who had gone there to mine coal hoping that in a city where slavs congregated my knowledge of their language might be of some use i decided to make that place my objective point the farmer drove me to a neighboring town where i waited until past midnight when taking a belated river-boat i was for the first time in america traveling toward a definite goal my earliest reading about the mississippi river was a german illustrated story in which the artist pictured the river flowing through a jungle of tropical vegetation with monkeys on the tree-tops throwing coconuts at each other this phase of natural scenery failed to disclose itself but a very picturesque element of that journey was in the negro roustabouts who gave me a chance to enlarge my ethnological experience and brought me face to face with the race question at its most acute angle making my own problem insignificant in comparison to the casual observer the colored people are just negroes but to me they were a new ethnological exhibit representing as they did the most primitive type of guinea negro the finest arabian and varied mixtures in which the infusion of anglo-saxon blood was the most startling and tragic element frankly i did not find them objectionable although we camped on the same deck whatever aversion to the negro i have ever felt has not come from association with him but rather from association with white men whose attitude of mind acted contagiously upon my own to me they were a very pleasant variation from the rather monotonous human type which one meets in america and which no matter how dissimilar in the beginning has been shaped into a common likeness by the new and uniform environment the negroes of that mississippi river boat showed a never-ceasing good nature expressed in the heartiest laughter while their weird rhythmic chant made their hard labor seem a pleasure their carefree ways which not only let the morrow take care of itself but also forgot the grudges and the trials of yesterday made them a most interesting type for me to study while their manifest faults and vices have never presented a sufficient barrier to prevent me seeing in them the altogether human, or keep me from paying them the respect one owes to all humanity. One cold morning in late fall I landed in an Illinois city, with fifty miles between me and my goal, and with money enough to take me about halfway there, after which it was just a good day's exercise along the railroad track the town lay uninvitingly among the coal mines which gave it life its geometric streets contained the usual stores with the invariable surplus of saloons the residence districts stretched in every direction while at the most undesirable edges of town the miners had settled in hopeless unkempt groups these localities were known as prisoners are merely by numbers and were fast deteriorating for the more stable and advanced population of welsh and german miners was giving way to the changeable newer immigrant groups the only work i could find immediately above ground was in a lumberyard and i established myself in a boarding-house kept in the basement of one of the business blocks in the main street and so plunged into the sluggish stream of the city's life its upper current as far as i could feel it was dominated by two rival newspapers which biweekly flung billingsgate at each other and a german singing society which met every sunday afternoon and in which the drinking and the singing were so mixed that it proved quite distasteful to me the greatest attraction was a bake-shop and candy store combined kept by some diminutive welshmen who had been pushed up from the mine by the slav invasion the owners were very kind to me and it was one of them who on a sunday evening took me to his church the service was in the charge of a theological student and the vagueness of his discourse was the only thing which impressed me on that occasion having transgressed in the same way not many years later i have forgiven him the dull half-hour i then endured one day a german came to the boarding-house claiming that he had just landed i took him about town helping him look for work and at night made a bed for him in the stable of the lumber yard, that being under my especial care in the morning when i went to attend to my horse i found that it was gone and with it the best buggy in the bam as the german was also missing it was not difficult to know to whom to charge the theft my employer suspected me of complicity in the affair, and took me to the chief of police. After being closely questioned, I was released both from his custody and from my job. Fortunately, I had previously met the Slovaks, with whom I crossed the ocean, and with them I again began life as a miner. I must confess that the work brought me no joy, and I never learned it with any degree of proficiency." this change removed me somewhat more from the town necessitating as it did my living in an isolated slovak patch near the mine which i think was known as number three the boarding-house was presided over by the wife of one of the fellow workmen and it was as neat and clean as a woman could make a house in which from twelve to fifteen men ate and slept and in which she was also trying to rear her little family what made her task more difficult was the fact that the patch seemed to be a law unto itself as far as cleanliness or even sanitary conditions was concerned the only time it realized that it was under some government control was when the officers came to interfere in the not infrequent brawls the miners were entirely out of touch with the community except through the saloons which were still in the hands of germans and fairly decent especially one of them whose owner rarely stepped behind the bar and whose children were prohibited from patronising the place the town as a whole was law-abiding and respectable and its general influence upon the foreign group was good if there had been some man or group of men who would have brought the community and the strangers into vital relationship, the results might have been far better than they now are. The number of Slovaks was small enough at that time to have discovered and developed leaders among them, but there, as everywhere else, we were regarded as inferior interlopers and treated with contempt. This particular group with which I was associated was made up of a very virile and superior class of men, all of them teachable i started english classes among them wrote their letters helped them with their shopping and was limited in my service to them only by lack of time and strength they were all deeply religious or perhaps they were merely punctilious in their religious observances i regret deeply that i tried to wean them from the church and that in many cases i succeeded after all i had nothing better to give them and the church with its familiar rites and sacraments rendered them a service which i could not these slovaks belonged to three different churches the roman catholic the greek orthodox and the lutheran the latter group was small and had no minister or church they were the men most easily influenced by me and were on the whole the most intelligent i frequently met the priests very devoted but narrow-minded men they were a rare combination of worldliness and otherworldliness which stood them in good stead keeping them near their flock and at the same time far removed from it a cassock and a cross or an unusual head-dress are wonderful helps in maintaining priestly dignity and cast a peculiar spell over the individual even if he be but an ignorant immigrant the preacher who wears a business suit in order to be like other men has thrown aside a valuable aid in his approach to the average man accustomed to seeing the messenger of god in his robes of office i recall attending a protestant church service held in the opera house the preacher was an avowed advocate of labor and its rights after the sermon he announced his intention of leaving the church and giving himself completely to the cause he championed this service in spite of that dramatic incidence lacked all the setting which the foreigner connects with public worship and i feel reasonably certain that because the appeal of the evangelical church lacks the ritualistic background there are comparatively few immigrants affected by it unless they have come to this country with similar traditions regularly every day except sunday i descended into the mine which was then being worked at a low level and little by little all the resistance i had felt to this form of labour disappeared although i never descended without fear and never saw daylight without joy the man with whom i worked whose helper i was an uneducated unspoiled slav of about thirty had come like most of his kind lured by the high wages he had left his wife and little children behind to labour stint and save and hoped finally to lift himself above the low social and economic status which was the lot of his class he talked to me frequently of the pain of the parting and the joyous anticipation of going home his whole mind was set upon the increase of his savings and he toiled like a man hungry for his work as in his stolid way he faced unflinchingly the dangers of the daily task we worked in close proximity rarely being more than ten feet apart one day i was loading the car when the roof of the chamber gave way in falling a huge slab of rock became wedged between the car and the corner of the chamber the lighter end was on my side and the heavier part fell upon my companion crushing him beneath its weight he was taken out alive lingered a few weeks and died it was more than twenty years before i returned to that mine but i did not descend above it in a spacious auditorium i lectured to some who knew me when with a miner's cap and blackened face i walked through that city to many more who did not know that i ever had been there while a few among the number were of supreme interest to me one of them a welshman risen from the mine had lifted the community with him and permeated it with his practical idealism his influence was felt in every mine and shop of his state and even beyond its borders he was the quote, strong man the hiding-place in time of storm quote, for the lesser folk the man for whom men and communities wait too often in vain because the men who thus arise are so rare and the cities blessed by them so few i shall name both the man is j l williams and the place straiter illinois the other person of special interest to me on my recent visit there was a tall handsome woman with a fine american face which showed a slavic background she was not sensitive about her age and unhesitatingly recalled incidents of more than twenty years previous neither was she too proud to speak of her life in the boarding-house kept by her mother near mine number three she was the little katerina the slavic girl grown into an american woman one of those ethnological miracles of which our country is now so full and which have never received the attention they deserve she is the first generation of a new race which will hold in its keeping the weal and woe of our country here are anglo-saxon ideals engrafted upon slavic stock the spirit of democracy pulsing in one whose mind is no more enthralled by autocracy and befogged by superstition a woman whose foremothers were all doubly enslaved being both serfs and women now this their descendant is doubly free woman and enfranchised citizen i looked at her with reverence for she is the potential mother the guardian of the veiled future i saw her among the people from whom she had risen the father and mother who had come so many years before from the carpathian mountains to the plains of illinois and i said what hath god wrought her parents have left the mining patch and the boarding-house and have attained a position from which they can look down in pride to the level from which they have risen together we walked to the hut in which we all had lived and each of us gave thanks to god in his own way we all were grateful that having served our apprenticeship in the school of poverty and hard labour we were neither ashamed of the one nor afraid of the other End of chapter 19.